0: Hi, thank you for clicking on this episode. And before we continue, I want to help you ground to the present moment. So you can close your eyes and take a deep breath and release. Doesn't that feel good? Again, let's inhale deeply through our nose. Pause, open your mouth and exhale. You can now open your
1: eyes. Talk to you soon. Hi, welcome back to my podcast, Meditate with Samara. The intention of this podcast is to share with you inspiring stories and practical tips that you can use in your daily life to increase your quality of life. And I'm so happy, grateful, and excited to be talking to and inviting my friend from my yoga teacher training that we did together earlier in 2019. He is Dawson Botsford and we're going to talk about how to be happier with a minimalism mindset and I believe this is so important and it's so hard for me to grasp because I'm not living that lifestyle yet but I'd love to learn more about it from Dawson. Introducing Dawson, Dawson is a software engineer and minimalist living in the high mountains of Colorado. He previously worked at some of the world's best tech startups, pulling late nights and early mornings daily. After seeing a few years pass by, he reconnected to his true passions of nature and travel. In 2018, he left the United States with only a carry-on bag and discovered the joy of owning less. But after following his real travel dreams, he discovered the toughest part of all. Happiness doesn't exist elsewhere. It was here all along. By removing the clutter in your life, you discover what's left. Your patterns, habits, and routines. This is where the real self-work begins. Wow, that's such an amazing intro. I'm just reading it out. I can't wait to talk to Dawson about this. And welcoming to this podcast. Hi, Dawson.
2: Hi there. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you for being here for your time and sharing your journey as well. Can you tell me a little bit more about your experiences being a minimalist or just more about who you are?
2: Sure. Yes. Yeah, so I am from the United States originally, but I did move around a lot growing up. So I was, I was originally from Florida, um, spent a few years actually living in the Bahamas growing up, which really intertwines into this story because at a young age, I got to see different cultures. And so I was living in the Bahamas with, you know, people who are surfing all day and going swimming, catching fish all day, that kind of thing, Um, lounging out on the beach, but then also then moving when I was 10 to Tennessee. And so in Tennessee, you have a very different culture than in the Bahamas. And getting to see this variety of cultures, I, I really realized that we get to choose where we spend our life and who we get to spend it around. And we should pick the cultures that make us happiest. So I'll intertwine more into that later. But um, I think growing up with that around me was was really influential into the story we'll be telling today.
1: Thank you for sharing. I didn't know that you grew up in the Bahamas. That sounds amazing.
2: <laughs> it was a really good time. Although at that age, it's just home. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's nothing like you don't know that the rest of the world is kind of jealous of you. You're just a kid. And living life.
1: Yeah, that sounds amazing. And when we talk about minimalism, does it start really there in the Bahamas, or was there another turning point that led you into the lifestyle you're in right now?
2: Yeah, that turning point didn't begin for me until I'd say I was around 14, 15. Um, So my parents, growing up uh, for those years in Florida and the Bahamas, they were together, but my parents unfortunately divorced when I was pretty young. And so at that age, already at about 10, I got to see how differently you could live your life and how differently you could take care of your home and take care of your possessions and just what you choose to put around you and, you know, purchase and keep in your home. In that my dad collects quite a few things and my mom keeps her uh, house quite essential. She, my mom is not a minimalist by far. She has a lot of decorations, which they're beautiful. And it's something that I can't really uh, I can't really achieve that. I don't have the eye she does for design and whatnot. But I really did notice that there's a big difference between keeping around you what's necessary and keeping around you just things you haven't yet gotten around to getting rid of. And so I think that's when it started, is seeing the difference between my parents.
1: Mm. Can I also ask you, probably define what minimalist is because maybe people have different understandings and conceptions. And thank you for sharing your story and your personal story earlier because I can relate to that. My parents also were divorced fairly early on and I feel the difference between the households and you know observing all of that. But if we can come back to the minimalistic part because I don't know if I'm thinking about the same thing of what minimalistic is.
2: Sure. So and thanks for sharing that, by the way. I didn't know we shared that same story. So I appreciate that. And we should talk about more how it affected you sometime. Um, so minimalism. I'm sure there's an official definition we could go look up. But what really matters is what it means to me and what it means to you and how it's going to apply to the type of self-work we do here and this type of self-improvement you and I care about. So for me, minimalism is the joy of having less. It's about getting rid of everything you own that's not essential and always being in that mindset as well of, do I have more than I need? Do I have things that are actually getting in the way of living the best life possible for me? And by getting rid of those things that are extra, you get back to the purity and the like I said in the intro, the habits and routines that really are what life is about in the end anyways. It's the the memories and the connection with other people.
1: I love that. That helps me understand so much more because initially I did have this preconception that minimalism is having the least amount of things possible in your life. But you do add that joy, like the one that you care about. You're keeping the things that you're caring about. And I can imagine that means different for different people. Do you think so, Dawson?
2: I do. It means things for different people. And it also means different things for the same people at different parts in their lives. So this is it's perfect to mention this right now because in my background, you can see I have a pair of skis on my left and a pair of skis on my right. And if you're, if you're paying attention a lot, you'd say, why does he need two pairs of skis? <laughs> He's a minimalist. <laughs> Well, the thing about minimalism to me is that you learn to really appreciate and use everything you have. And so in this example, these two skis are for different reasons. One is for going to the resort and one is for when I work out and do my own things uh, in the backcountry. So they're for very different reasons. And so that's what minimalism can mean for different people. Um, And also there's periods in life, even as a minimalist, where there might be outside forces where you can't always have just a carry on backpack. You know, right now I'm sitting at a desk that I now have a desk and there's a camera and a microphone and a light. And before I had zero furniture when I, when we, you and I first met actually, but that's okay because different times in life call for different things.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And thank you for bringing that up as well. Cause when I met you, I think that was the first time I met someone who was really embodying the minimalistic lifestyle as you said you had zero furniture because is that the time of your life that you were um, nomading or can you tell us a little bit more about that life story and journey
2: sure yeah I should define nomading as well because that's a really important part of this story so as we mentioned in the intro I used to live in San Francisco and I really worked myself too hard when I was living there I really thought that I could earn and achieve this kind of happiness and wealth, I guess, through just these long hours. And eventually I realized that that wasn't really the route for me. It was maybe the route for some of my friends. But for me, what I was really desiring is, again, these other cultures I mentioned, and also to see and explore brand new cultures. Like in Bali, for instance, I had visited there on vacation and I knew I wanted to get to know that culture more. And experience new things so this is where we get into the next vocabulary word of the of the podcast which is nomading so nomading is when you are choosing to be someone who does not have a home and i say it that way it's not the same as homeless uh, it is that you are constantly moving and so it's it's this idea that maybe Happiness exists within getting to see the different places instead of staying in one. And so when you and I first met, I was nomading for one year, for more than one year, which means for one year, I didn't have pots or pans or spices. I didn't have rent. I didn't have a car or car insurance. I didn't have, I I had a cell phone bill. And I think that was about it. And so this is also a type of when you extend minimalism now to your choices in life and the way you spend your time. That's that's how nomading got started. So I'm not sure if I answered your question in full. I think I was almost there.
1: I believe so, because now I get to understand a bit more about the process of, you know, being a nomad. Because in my head, being like a, a digital nomad, maybe what you were doing as well, um, is like the absolute lifestyle. You know, you can just be on your laptop and work and then enjoy wherever you're doing and having all these adventures rather than just being at home. But again, maybe that is different from other people. And I'm wondering how did that process of being a nomad and also being a minimalist add an increase to your happiness and joy in your daily life?
2: You're right about the idea that as a digital nomad, sometimes you can lay back with your laptop and work on a beach. But that wasn't at all where the happiness actually ended up existing. For me, that's the, that's kind of the Instagram filter on what digital nomading is. And I actually really did not like the word and the phrase digital nomad for the first few months. I told people to stop calling me that until I was, I was just, uh, I think it was probably talking to Jeremiah, actually, who's one of our friends from teacher training, because he also does this lifestyle as well it was kind of getting down to the, the answer of, yeah, you are a digital nomad. Stop trying to push it away. And really by embracing that, I realized that the joy was that I was a, I was a part of this community, this, this community of digital nomads that I was originally like really didn't like. Um, I found connection to those people and to the nature and places where we were like Bali, for instance, the beach in Bali going on these, scooter rides going to the different you know events we were having during our training and by having less possessions i could hop on a scooter and go to a different town and actually check out of that other hotel and actually have everything on my back and when i'm late for the bus i can run to the bus with everything i own on my back and when i meet someone who they're just too interesting to let them go I can go travel with them, and that's where the happiness uh, I ended up discovering for me was, in that you can go chase, you can kind of chase your dreams for some amount of time.
1: That's amazing. I am smiling like ear to ear because I really hear the joy coming out of you as you as you tell that story of yours, and it really radiates. You know, because right now maybe being a nomad or I don't know with the situation of the covid and the pandemic it has brought us to be uh, a little bit more adjusting with our initial lifestyle uh, pre covid so are you uh, if i may ask are you still doing this nomad or minimalistic lifestyle even within the uh, pan- pandemic situation
0: hmm. yeah there's two answers there one i'm not nomading no um, i definitely
2: have a home now i have you know, I have rent and I have car insurance and all the things I was saying were things you want to break free. I'm now partaking in. Um, And I've actually, that was quite an adjustment. It was difficult to kind of increase these responsibilities that keep you in one place. But along with it came a lot of maturing and and becoming, kind of embracing that change in the way that all of us have been forced to with 2020, 2020, and I guess now some of 2021. But of course, yeah, with travel restrictions and whatnot, it would have been the type of nomading I was doing wasn't even possible anymore. It would have been like against the international travel laws, actually. So um, that said, I am still a minimalist. And I I think about and try to figure out what that means for me every day now, because I do have so much more than I used to have. But it's also just because I'm living a different kind of life than I used to
1: have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if I may ask, how do how do we become a minimalist like you? Like how do I even start to do things yeah. that process Because I have so many stuff. Just to to give you uh, a description, like I'm in a room, which is my old brother's room, and this is usually a makeup room. Like I have a room for makeup that's a bit turned into uh, just the working room, and then there's just so many different lipsticks laying around. Yeah like the different colors and and for maybe I'm gonna use that and I have like it's just a mess. I don't even know where to (laughs) (laughs) start Dawson, what should I do?
2: Oh wow. Uh I've never cleaned out lipstick before. I'm not (laughs) sure with lipstick, but I do have some ideas that you might be able to start with. So there's actually a lot of different ways to start having less. And they're all quite different. So one of these Um, You know, we kind of go from slow and steady to all of a sudden at once. These are your options. And most of you will already know, listening, which kind of person you are. So if you're the kind of person when you wanted to get in shape or when you wanted to start mindfulness, did you consider it for a while and start slow? Or did you get addicted and try to do everything at once um, and maybe get burnout for a while and come back to it? Or did you get addicted and stick with it? So I'll start with the slow approach and the way that I started with originally. So I read this book. I found this book. And the book is called The Joy of Less by Francine J. And in this book, she gives you the reasons why you should consider being a minimalist. So an important thing to start before you make any of these lifestyle changes is you need to believe in yourself and believe that the reasons for doing it are important enough. Just like with any self-change, if you're going to be self-motivated, you need to decide that it's something you do want to follow through with. It's worth your time. I think it's worth your time. You need to decide that it's worth your time though. Um, Because once you invest this time, it'll actually save you time to have less. So there's the slow method. This would be get rid of one thing per day. And part of this, get rid of one thing per day. This is a technique I continue to use. I have one box in my house. At all times, it's the box to give away, to take to a thrift store, or to take to the garbage. This one box, I know where it is. It's in my closet. It's up above everything and hidden away. But that's where everything goes. And that is already such a big starting point because now you have a place. Whenever you see something that you're like, Ah, I should probably get rid of that or ah, I don't really need that. That's where you take that thing. So go put it in that box. So this is the slow approach, one thing per day. Then you could do what I did, which is actually the medium um, kind of approach here, which is decide that you're going to leave your home and the country and that you don't want to pay for a storage unit and then take the next few weeks or months to try to get rid of everything possible. This one although fun is really pretty difficult and you might have a you might have like a personality crisis because you're suddenly getting rid of everything you care about and everything you've known with almost no um, almost no like fallback unless you're you live near family or you're going to send a box home you really have to go pretty extreme in this method and so If anyone is about to start traveling the world, this is the way I would say you should do it. You know, clean out everything so you're not paying for a storage unit or if you're paying for rent or anything like that, you just, you want to have less, not have 35 boxes over at your friend's house in their closet. And then the fastest method, which is actually something you guys can go watch and learn about is if you go to Netflix and watch about Marie Kondo, So Marie Kondo is a Japanese organization consultant. And she she takes this really extreme clean-out approach where you take everything in the room out of the room. You put it into a pile. And then each and every single thing, you pick up, you hold it and hug it. And you say, does this bring me joy? And only if it brings you joy, can you keep it. And with this method now, the default is to say, No, it doesn't bring you much or any joy. So you have to actually say, Yes, this brings me joy in order to keep it. And then at that point, you move it back into the room originally and organize. And she has a lot more to it. But <laughs> check out Marie Kondo. Her uh, TV show is called Tying Up.
1: Yeah. Thank you for, for that resource. It really has helped me. I did a Marie Kondo method by by first buying the book i was reading it and and she has very um clear-cut ways on how to do it right and then i there must be something wrong in the way i do it because as (laughs) as soon as i uh i do like these um holding all of my things in my closet for example like the clothes that i like to use or not and then somehow it just gets filled again i think i have a shopping (laughs) row and it feels like why do I have to do this again? I thought I just did this like last year. Now I have more clothes. But um, oh. it's, it's something that I need to honestly practice. And hearing from you, I'm inspired.
2: <laughs> maybe if you jump back to step one of what are the motivations, maybe that could help. But you sound like you're in a tough situation too. <laughs>
1: No, but yeah, I think I think it's important also for uh, the reason now in my head is now I'm understanding more about the waste of the fashion industry and the impact it has on the, you know, the surroundings of just my hometown. uh, And that has given me a bit more consciousness and awareness of you know, not shopping all too much and trying to find that joy not hedonically from buying things but really finding it within myself through whatever means that I'm doing now a but more meditation and stuff like that and it works
0: <laughs> I like that
2: you brought that part up just now before we um, continue on I think it is worth pausing and and emphasizing that there's the environmental factor as well which we haven't even brought up so all of the compelling reasons so far we've discussed are just self-centered reasons what can i benefit from and how can i have a better life but it goes even deeper it's how can i help the planet more and how can i you know not take part in consumerism it's just it's these outside pressures that are pushing us to be hoarders or people who collect and yeah there's a great impact on your personal mindset and also the environment that can come from this
1: yeah. Thank you for highlighting that. I definitely um, agree because as long as we are aware of what we're doing, I think it just really helps to make the better decisions, whatever that goal is. I think that's the the main learning for me and how I make my decisions moving forward. And I do have a question. Um, seemingly that I have a lot of barriers in terms of even my personal barriers uh, in being a minimalist. Let's say I have an attachment to the books that I've bought because I have so many books, for example. I don't read them anymore. I could I could give them away, but sometimes these books remind me of someone else or a period in my life. So I have that sense of I wanna keep it but I'm not really using it. So I'm not sure how much joy it's giving me. How would you suggest me to get around this? Or for our listeners who also have that initial resistance of attachment?
0: I think this is
2: such a good question because this is now a hands on, direct, how can I make a change now? And this is really where it starts. It's when you hear these words, how are you going to respond, which I can tell you're doing, Samara. So this is really cool to see. So let's take your books as an example. Um, And I'll start by just describing what I did with my books when I moved out. So I think I had a collection of 10 or so books, which Maybe less or more. How many would you say you have right now?
1: I have like maybe less than a thousand or something. Our house is like a library. Come
2: okay. On. So you have a library. Well, then this is going to be a pretty different story.
1: <laughs> wow. We have a lot of books. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. Well, then
2: maybe my my story won't apply as much to yours, but it will to some others. And so I'll tell you mine real quick. And then my dad. So I recently helped my dad start to organize and take care of his house, which we'll get to in a sec, but he is, he was close to a hoarder, which means he had three, four bedrooms of, of possessions that he wasn't really using. Um, so for my example, I had 10 books. Um, I was attached to all of them because I'd already gotten rid of the ones I didn't care about. So I liked all the books I owned. And I realized and decided that what's the best So so you can take it in your hand and think, what is the best way that this possession could be used? Could someone else enjoy this more than me? Could someone else be reading this? Could I give this to a friend I love and care about? Because this book brought me so much joy. I think it would bring this other person so much joy. And so for me, I, I either gave away, gifted, or took to the thrift store every single book, except for one book and that was the four hour work week which is kind of the book that started digital nomading and this travel and it's because i had so much attachment i didn't want to get rid of it and it's been in a box in the closet in california now for 3 to 4 years and only today and recently can i say i should have just gotten rid of it because what happens is i can order a new one or go buy a new one um, now which back to the environmental factor yes that is more wasteful but during that time it was actually used by someone else assuming you took it through a thrift store or you gave it to a friend it's not that you're wasting a book it's that you're letting that book get used for the next three four years while you're moving around or it's in a box or
0: something
2: and so in my example and for the listeners who have less than a thousand books, this is a a really nice approach because you're giving things to the people you love and to strangers. And I want to hit real quick on what it was like for my dad. So um, we recently had some some family situations where we had to move out a lot of stuff from my dad's house, and that is a massive task. Like I said, four bedrooms or so. And we basically just applied the Marie Kondo ideas of does this bring me joy, and when you have that much stuff it's not about all these things bring you joy it's that you got to this point because you were holding on to things too much. you got to this point because you had maybe something else that was off in life and you thought that by holding on to possessions that would somehow solve the other issues in life and so with my dad we really we really had an important time of connection and talking through this and understanding that holding on to this stuff doesn't bring him more joy. He really reached the point where he realized the more things he has, the less mobility he has to go do the things he loves. Like the longer it takes to, to go grab the books he actually loves when he has to walk through a hallway of boxes and he might trip on one and, you know, something might fall and hurt your foot or something that happened to me while I was helping him clean it out. And so you just get to this point where you realize more and more that more doesn't add. Having more actually takes from the things you care about with your time.
1: Yeah. Thank you for sharing your story and your really, really beautiful practical tip. I, I, I do find the joy of giving books to other people, especially when I write handwritten notes, like why do I think they would enjoy it? And that gives me joy and, and hear how they receive the book. So I will take time. I'm committing to myself. I will take time this week that I'm going to start doing this Mary Kondo method and see how it goes through me and I'll, I'll update back to you. So it's just like, I don't want to be just informed and inspired, but I really want to take action because I really believe what you are saying is is really good. So thank you for sharing your experience with us.
0: Thanks for being open to that.
1: Yeah. And for people who are now really inspired, like me, what action can they take so they can be more joyful and happy?
2: I think one action to take is to immediately apply one of the things we talked about. Don't, don't say that you're going to do it in a week or two. It will add value to your life right away. And the little joy you get from having a little bit less is what continues. And eventually this is like an avalanche in that when you start to get rid of things, you realize, wow, my room is bigger than I thought it was. And wow, I had, there was this thing back here that I loved and I didn't even know that it was there because it got covered by the things you didn't care about. And so you learn to appreciate things more if you just get started on one of the methods we talked about, either the Marie Kondo, getting rid of one thing a day or planning a big trip or moving out of a house into a smaller house, and just deciding that you don't need as much. So either one of the three methods, you know, if you're if the Marie Kondo method sounds exciting to you, I would say start with her book or her Netflix show.
1: I genuinely appreciate all that you have been helping us with in terms of making us more joyful and happier in our lives. It's really, really beautiful. And I have been like asking you so many questions. And I'll give you like a little space if you want to ask me a question. So I'm not just interviewing you and we're like having a conversation as friends. Like we were in Bali or like, of course now on Zoom, but still. (laughs) Yeah,
2: I do. I've definitely thought of this one for now a couple months since I heard that you downsized or that you were in a smaller house during your quarantining. So I wanted to understand and give you credit because in this so far, you really not given yourself credit for how many books you have, but you clearly had some amount of downsizing and you've thought about having less at some point here, or you wouldn't have wanted to, you know, foster these ideas together. And so I want to understand from you, what experience do you have with having less and What was this quarantine experience like for you with, you know, having been in a smaller place like you've told me about?
1: Thank you for your question, Dawson. So for me, having less and being in a smaller space actually goes back to my time in the Netherlands. I was staying there in Amsterdam for a year for my master's studies. And what it meant was that I was only carrying like uh, one suitcase from Indonesia there. And of course, I bought a bit more clothes for winter because I didn't have them in Indonesia. Um, And coming back from... Amsterdam, I had to leave a lot of boxes that I didn't use of, of stuff that I didn't use anymore, which is appliances, in the thought that I would come back uh to find a job or to get a job and actually work. But with the pandemic situation that didn't turn out as expected, and now I'm fully back here in Jakarta. And how it translates to me for having less is that I only have literally um like a suitcase of I don't know, let's say 20 tops or clothes in general, not tops, sorry, um, that I use for the past six months. And that's the minimalism for me because I thought I was just in Indonesia for a holiday. And then I'm going to come back with all my stuff um, there in Amsterdam. So and then I realized I don't really need to wear a lot of clothes. And I think that's also because I'm just at home all the time. And um I wear all whites for my podcast, for my teachings. And I wear all the same yoga clothes for my teaching class. And I feel like I don't really need to buy more. Um, And I'm happy and and in terms of I don't have to think about what to wear. And that saves us a lot of space um, in the morning to just like do the things that's important. This clothes I'm going to wear is the clothes that I'm going to wear. And I feel good in it. And then when it doesn't feel good, I'm just going to um, donate it to a recycling line, So that has um, helped me understand more about, or actually experience how uh, minimalism can add joy and space into my life.
2: <laughs> Such a good response for that. I didn't realize that you were doing the nomad thing right now, in a way. You're doing the one bag, you know, the, the travel and nomad thing is exactly what kind of pushed push both of us, it sounds like, to have less because you realize while you're moving around, you don't need as much. And I wanted to comment real quick on what you were saying with wearing the whites and wearing your yoga um, clothing in that for me, I have less, but I love the things I have more. But I don't have any shorts that I don't like. I don't have any pants. When I look at them, I'm like, I guess I should wear that in a couple of days. Like, I should wear it since I have it. If you have those emotions with anything in your life that's a possession, consider if you don't need it at all. And, you know, the like the gift that keeps on giving about this is that when you apply that to then friends and energy drains in your life and the ways you spend your time, does an extra 30 minutes of scrolling actually add to your happiness or not? To me, that's where minimalism has really gone on to do more and more, which... We can chat about it another time. That's actually a movement called essentialism. It's when you apply minimalism to everything. And that's something I'm only getting started on, trying to understand.
1: I'm so excited for your journey, going through more essentialism and see the breakthroughs and the, the joy that you will have. Um, We'd we'll love to catch up on that in the future. Dawson, this has been Very quick. I feel like I'm just so engaged talking and listening to you and hearing your story and understanding your experience. But due to time, I think we have to kind of wrap up in a bit. And I would love to move on to the next segment, which is kind of a bit more light and fun, because usually conversation in my podcast gets so deep and heavy. (laughs) Um, I would love to ask you or more like do a little game with you called the fire round. Association word. If you're up for it,
2: I'm up for it. I'm nervous, but I'm
1: up for it. That's okay. It's okay. <laughs> nervous is a, a natural response for guests <laughs> for this. But the words that I've chosen, I've chosen five words, are all from your uh, website, dawspot.com These words. Are you ready, Dawson?
0: I am as ready as I could be. Okay. Let's start. First word: uplift. Each other. Second word, humanitarian. Aid. Third word, happy. Now. Fourth word, knowledge. Everywhere. <laughs> and a fifth word, Tawny Robbins. Tall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. Awesome. How did you feel? Nervous <laughs> or so awkward, no. How do you feel?
2: We did Thank you. Thank you for pushing me just now to go beyond my my
1: barriers. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Dawson, for, for this time of connection for this time of sharing and courageous and vulnerability and everything. If you have any last words for our listeners, is there anything that you would like to say and where they can follow you through your journey? It would be great. Thank you.
2: Sure. Yeah, last words is I would say continue to listen to podcasts like this that give life to you. In this world,
0: it's so easy to get pulled in and think that you need some of these just draining things
2: like like I was mentioning before, scrolling too much or spending too long doing things that aren't loving, connecting, being outdoors and being with the people you love. And when you do turn in to technology and turn on your podcasts and turn on YouTube videos, I just found such a big improvement of if that content is something uplifting, that's going to add so much to your life. Because think about the difference between listening to something uplifting, listening to nothing at all, or listening to something that's going to make you feel worse about yourself most of the world is going through experiencing neutral or negative things like that. So if you're adding positivity, it's just going to keep giving in ways you can't even anticipate. And to follow along with my journey, you know, if I do anything important, you'll hear about it. I feel like you don't really need to search too hard. I'm just another voice to add to the podcast here. So
1: I really appreciate you, Dawson. I really, really do. I appreciate our friendship and our conversation and your time and energy and effort for this. I know it's hard to uh to catch up. And I'm really, really happy that we are doing this right now. Thank you, Doss. Of
2: course. Thank you for the time and the opportunity today.
1: Thank you so much for our listeners. If you find that this conversation is useful for you, please, like what Dawson say, do one thing that you've heard here that is inspiring and you actually want to do and believe you have a good reason to do it. And if you believe that this podcast or episode conversation is useful, please take 10 seconds to share it to someone who you love so they may also experience the same joy and happiness through minimalism and other beautiful, happy things that you may find in this podcast. Thank you so much.
0: Namaste.